Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, ladies, on this episode of the Confident Woman Podcast, we have our guest Liz Hand with us today. And she is a certified financial planner and does a really, really great job helping women take control of their money and feel more confident in the decisions that they're making when it comes to our finances. And I think that's really, really important as more women these days are starting to start more businesses, own more businesses, contribute more financially to, to their household or just on their own, right? A lot of women that are living on their own, taking care of their own finances single-handedly by themselves. So I think it's really, really important. And sometimes that money can be kind of a taboo topic that people don't feel comfortable talking about. So I think it's really important. So I'm grateful that she's taking time out of her night to talk to us about some of these things so you can feel more confident in where you're going with your financial future. So thanks for being with us, Liz. Absolutely. Nice to be here. Yeah. So how long have you been a financial planner? What got you started in thinking, I need to figure this stuff out? (laughs) Um, I've been a financial planner since I graduated in 2010. So I just hit my 10-year mark. My dad started this business, Pleasant Wealth, that I work with back in 98. So I kind of grew up around financial planning. And even just as a younger kid, eighth grade, I spent one summer working for him in his office and got exposed to it and just realized how impactful it is. And we need more women to educate women because I know that I think kind of that whole like background is like, we don't really have the education behind it. And I think it's, uh, you know, as a women to empower women to really own their finances as well. So I'm I'm definitely interested in learning more about it for myself. It's Mm -hmm. something that, you know, I'm tackling and learning and and doing the best that I can too. So it's awesome. I'm excited to hear what you have to have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like to, so you focus, I'm sure that with your business, you probably help everybody with their finances, right? It's not just women. But I am curious to know, because as we obviously deal with a lot of women and talk to a lot of women, women sometimes can make more decisions, sometimes more emotionally. There's just, we're just different than men. So do you notice that to be true, like within your, what you've noticed with finances, right? Like working with women, maybe they're more reluctant or whatever, because they have so much emotion tied to it. Or how do you, how do you like talk them through making these decisions and leave them? Yeah, really good question. I think both men and women make emotional decisions with money. And that's not always the best route to go. Women, it's just a little bit different of a conversation. I find that, have you ever heard of the book, like men are waffles, women are spaghetti? Yes. Okay. So women, we like to tie in different parts of our life to finances. And so what I found is that for this industry, Rachel, you kind of referenced or kind of touched on this, like there's, there's not much out there for women to think about because I feel like the conversation has been a little square in this waffle of men talking about like, this is how your finances are supposed to look, check these boxes and you're done. And women just don't necessarily think in that same way. We're like, wait a second, how does my family tie into my money? How does my career endeavor tie into my money? It's not just a I don't know, like a compartmentalized piece of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look back at the history of money, it was really a man's role in that household. And so it, for us to change that, we really have to change how we approach it as well. And that's being proactive and learning about it. And so it's amazing what you're doing and really empowering women again to teach them and, and have some more of that freedom and control over their money because women are making their own monies. They're, they're, many of them are the breadwinners of their household. 
And mm-hmm. for so like, we need to know where this money's going and what are we doing and, and really how to protect it in a sense as well. Yeah, a, a statistic for that. And this is kind of a driving force behind the message that I have for women. And it is by 2030, women will be in control of two thirds of the nation's wealth, whether that's investments or just like the purchasing decisions. That's a huge shift. Right. Because in, in traditional relationships of the past, if you have a husband and wife, the wife might have been the bookkeeper of the family. She might have kept everything in order with a checkbook and made sure bills got paid and whatever. And she would delegate. Naturally, we delegate in our household. She would delegate that piece of talking about investments, big picture, whatever to her husband, because he was naturally having that conversation with his buddies on the golf course. He was having that conversation at work and she was staying at home traditionally. That story has completely shifted. That is not the current couple. That's not the current woman. And so that, uh, that freight train's coming. <laughs> Women uh, controlling two thirds of the nation's wealth. Like we have to have open conversations about money. We have to create spaces of candor that women can ask the questions that they feel like are dumb, but every single woman in the circle is asking that same question, but maybe unwilling to pipe up. Right. Yes. Or sometimes um, if we find ways to kind of like make bite-sized pieces of learning, this kind of stuff, because I know just speaking me personally, my husband and I, like we we have like our own accounts. We have our own things that we do. Um, we make a lot of decisions together, but there are things that I let him totally just do because my I it's I'm not the most analytical person. Where I know he will research and he will do right. things. So he explains things to me like certain areas, not all of them. I'm just saying like certain like investments or like different currencies, like that kind of stuff. So I understand at like a bare minimum level that maybe I could grasp. But what would you say would be like a great way for women that maybe are like me that are afraid of like that big, all the over, you know, it can get overwhelming sometimes if you really big. I like reading. I read a lot of money books, but I like reading them because I can go at my own pace and make sure I understand them. So like, what would you suggest for women listening that maybe are like, I want to take more control of my finances. Maybe I don't understand fully what's happening in my household to kind of take those small steps toward understanding those. Mm -hmm. A couple of things come to mind first. One is getting some sort of tool established where you can have all of your financial data put in one place. It's a dashboard for you that you can reference at your own time, your own place, as you're going at your own pace with your learning, um, that you can just go over and check like, okay, I'm learning about Roth IRAs right now. Do we even have one? Go to this tool, look at my dashboard. We do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Just having that dashboard in place, super important. So the freebie one that you're probably familiar with is mint.com, or maybe you've heard of it, which is fine, except you are putting all of your personal data in some place for them to eventually market that to somebody. So there are you know paid tools that you can use too. I, I'm not sure if personal capital is one where it's paid or unpaid, but if you have the option to do a subscription for that type of thing. I would choose that rather than using, allowing your data to be marketed to other people. And then financial planners, they have that tool mm-hmm. that you can keep your information very safe. So that's piece number one, getting yourself a dashboard. Number two is getting like an annual state of the household conversation established. What I love about that is that it's one time, I think 
just like in other areas of life, we can get caught in the day to day and taking that one step back to, this is assuming the conversation is about a couple since that's what you brought up, Erin, but taking that one step back to be like, okay, what do we actually think about what we're doing with our money? Where are we going? Are, do we have the things put in place to get there? And if in your situation, if your husband's the analytical one, he likes putting that kind of thing together, have him prepare that meeting. But you need to be at the table too, saying like, okay, but I want to invest in my business in two years for X purpose. And I will need some money there. So how are we going to do this together? Or I'm really concerned about a retirement, which isn't maybe <laughs> something that we naturally think towards as we're you know building businesses and figuring out um, building our financial life. But retirement is something we need to always keep in place. So yeah, annual state of the what did I call it? State of state of the marriage or state of the family finances. I just think state of the union address. I almost said that. <laughs> like, all right, that works. <laughs> for your own household. Yes. Those. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that too. And I, I'm, you brought up a point that I think a lot of women, I myself would probably fall in that category. Cause I think sometimes women, right. We get marketed to, right. Like be a hustle boss, babe, all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of tools out there that can inspire and motivate women to want to go out. And I think women can be really, really good at making money, but managing money and earning money are like two different beasts. Right. right? So like, I feel like as you make more money, the, the rules change, right? Like you have to learn more about how to protect your money, where to put your money, all that kind of stuff too. So I don't know if it's something you will offer or you have resources or what you would say to women, like as they start earning more money, when to start realizing, okay, I need to do things to protect this money, right? Like I can make a bunch, but how do I manage what I have? Yeah. I think my only hesitation was just jumping on board with that is that I do think that there are ways that we can make small tweaks in our life now. Yeah. And that as human beings, we, we always look like, until I get to that level, then I'll be ready to do X thing. And usually we will stall out saving for retirement or getting pieces in order when it doesn't take much to get it off the ground now. And you're going to feel awesome doing it right now. And so, yeah, I feel like if you can even just find a comfort level, an amount that you feel really is easy for you to save, like 25 bucks a month towards retirement. Fantastic. You might be like, does that even really make an impact? And the fact is, yes, it does. It moves the needle for you to be able to retire at the time period that you want. It's not where you want to stay, but it got you started. So, and then finding ways, I'm personally all about finding ways that we can kind of trick ourselves into more savings long-term. Not that we're like, it sounds like the two of you own businesses. And yeah, so there's always that, that battle of like, I'm building my business or I'm building my personal financial security. And those will always be in combat with each other. So if you can not let the business win the whole time, and maybe sometimes take a little bit of a trickle for yourself, save it for retirement, getting that early, you just set yourself up for so much more success later on. Right. And I think too, you got to like, I mean, there's laws, there's laws of money. There's laws to everything. So I always joke with my husband, like if you gave him a hundred dollar bill, like he doesn't see $100. He sees 10 to tithing, 10 to investment, 10 here, 10 here. (laughs) And then I have 50 and I would always joke, like, I'd be like, we have a hundred bucks. Let's go to happy hour. You know, so (laughs) the difference of priorities, right? (laughs) I mean, it's an exaggeration. Like I know, but a hundred percent, a hundred (laughs) percent. I do the same thing. 
um, but yeah, so I think it's like understanding those laws and what you said too, I think is a great point that some people don't realize how much that little bit does make. And so you can start with 25, but as your business grows and as your money grows, then you can up that as mm-hmm. you go. The key is just get started. <laughs> like just get started and automation. Yes. We have too much going on in our brains right? Yeah. to try to stay on top of some of these things. So if we can make it automated and have step ups or increases to the amount that we're saving on a periodic basis, we will get to where we need to be. Yeah. Right. And, and I know that that was something that definitely changed for me is, uh, you know, I, I started to automate, um, I forget which app it was part of, but it said like, do you want to invest in some nest egg thing? It wasn't the acorn thing. And I was like, okay, sure. And I started very small and I was like, oh, I didn't even miss it. And then I watched the pattern, I think over like three months and realized I didn't miss that being gone. And I almost like equivalated. I was like, Maybe it was just like a bottle of wine or, you know, uh, I don't know, another random thing I buy on Amazon. I'm like, so maybe I just don't think about it. And so after three months of watching and realizing I didn't miss the money, I upped it. And then slowly started because I was adapting to that lifestyle of not spending it that eventually now I don't, I don't think about it. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's continuing to grow in that background where it's automated into an account that I don't see because it's not connected to my bank account. Because if I'm in there, I'm like, oh, look, I got money but I know where it is. Love it. And so it's like off, it, it's online on a different platform, but offline for my everyday view. And it's mm-hmm. been really helpful for me on that, that base. Yeah. And to your point, Erin, as business grows and as your income grows as a woman, you, you face different obstacles with your money. And so some frequent conversations, I even had one today of a business that they were on a certain pace of growth, but in the last quarter, they went gangbusters. And so it's like all of a sudden the end of the year and they have some tax issues and they're thinking, okay, well, how can I navigate that? Well, at that point, hopefully you've engaged with someone who can help you walk through the process of really weighing the pros and cons of what to do with the money to either shield from taxes or save towards something that you want to do or reinvest into your business. Like I think with more money, there is more weighing the pros and cons of different options and I highly recommend you look to someone to be your financial quarterback at that point. Yeah. And so when it comes to like finding a financial quarterback, what, obviously, because that is your profession and what you do. So what, what, what would you have women like look for, I guess, in that person? Like they should look for when they're trusting. This is not the most exciting answer to begin with it, but it is one of the most important. And that is, be hyper aware of the license that the person is using when they're engaging with you. And it's not that one is bad and one is good, but they function differently. And what you assume coming into the relationship is, I'm coming to this person for advice and they're going to do whatever it is in my best interest. Yeah. But you've got one license that when they give you advice and you invest in a product that they have, it pays a commission. And then you come back to visit with them and they don't get paid again. So what is their incentive to be ongoing in that relationship? Well, it's either to move the money enough to make money off of you or if you're continuing to invest with them. So that's, that's one business model. It is a sales business model. The other is a fiduciary relationship. And this is what I suggest you find that there's someone that's stepping in on the same side of the table trying to engage and really understand your financial setup 
to help you make the best decisions for yourself because they are legally held to the fiduciary standard acting in your best interest. And they're compensated in that way. They're, you're paying them on an annual basis. It's not, it's not an upfront commission. You either have a fee for the amount of money that you have invested with them, or they have some sort of retainer model. So, yeah. I think that's really important to know too, because a lot of women sometimes, like you said, if they're not that confident in it and they're taking that first step, it's probably very easy to sell them because they they don't, you know what I mean? Like it's their whole, whole new thing. It kind of like, we talked, Rachel and I talked about this before actually about with fiduciaries where it's like, why does that even have to be a thing that like, shouldn't it be all people should be like, that should be their intent is to make interest in the best of your, or on your behalf. Right. But you would I think, think that's important to, yeah, important to know because if you're going in and you're looking for that person, like that's important for someone to know because you could be easily sold. People might be able to take advantage of your vulnerability that that you're still learning this and that you don't know any better. So they could easily sell you something that you don't maybe necessarily need or really understand your own path or what you want, I guess. Yeah. So. Actually, what's fascinating to me, just thinking about this year, like this has been a pretty turbulent year from the economy perspective. Even the stock market at the beginning was kind of rough and it's, it's done fairly well this year. But overall, people have a negative feeling about the economy this year. And so someone in the sales role can easily use that moment to say, hey, this investment's not doing very well. Let's switch it to X investment over here. And you as a human being, that is what you want. You are so panicked for what's going on in the world that you come, am I supposed to do something with my investments? Tell me right now, I need to move it. I'm going to move it. Yeah. And what you want them to say is, yes, let me help you. We'll move it. The conversations I had this year after the economy tanked was, hey, let's sit on our hands. Mm -hmm. That's like against our human nature. And so what frustrates me about that business model is simply that it can capitalize as in coins, change dollars in their pocket on your fear, mm-hmm. on your full-on trust and assuming that they're acting in your best interest when it might not be in your best interest. Right, because you almost have to look at it as like, well, if both sides of the party are experiencing the same outcome, somebody's going to win and gain, right? So if they're looking out for like a defense mechanism, like, well, I have to protect me. And it's like, oh, well, you're willing to give me the money. And so we have to be smart about it. Again, it goes back to that protection. And, you know, to go back to the fiduciary, that was one of the biggest takeaways. We were reading the book, Money Master the Game and by Tony Robbins. And when he talked about the fiduciary, it was one of the credentials we asked our accountants, like, are you licensed? Like, is, it, is this your thing? And he said, funny you ask, because now I'm actually getting certified. And it's one of the things that I hold as a high standard for not only me, but as my clients and my business, because it's almost like they're kind of in a sense, like that power of attorney, like they're acting on your behalf, like you said, and they're there to protect your money. And rightfully so, this is like the oath that they're promising you. And so it's a great way to build that relationship with your personal planner or whoever that is. So it was definitely Mm -hmm. a game changer for, for us as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Super important. Especially too, I feel like as me growing up, and I think it's important, obviously, starting with like younger generations of, of girls too. I mean, obviously, it's important to understand money for everybody, men and women. But I think as women, and, and obviously times are changing, so that might be changing too. But I remember like being young, like my, my parents got divorced at like um, when I was 18. So I was just going into college. But I remember like my mom and like 
um, women in my life that like just really inspired me to be like, don't depend on anybody. Make sure you can take care of you because you never know what's going to happen. And it doesn't have to be like divorce, right? Death obviously happens tragically, but that can be a major plan, you know, where, where someone goes and you don't understand or, or know where you are with your money or your own finances. My aunt is someone that really influenced me where she, she didn't even get married until her forties. Like she was just like independent <laughs> chick and going out and like learning and understanding all that. And I just think too, I don't think that like that necessarily makes or breaks a relationship, but I know in my marriage, like my husband and I, like he knows more than me about finances. I do know I read, but I'm just saying like overall, I would say he has that upper hand, but it's one of those things. Like when we got together and when we first met before we got married, like we both were on our own two feet set without each other. And so I know like that, that comes, I'm not saying that it has to be like that because all marriages and relationships are different and, and however that works for each individual. But I know for, for me and maybe a lot of women that would be listening to a podcast like this that are in business or wanting to understand finances probably feel the same. So, but I think it's really important to learn those things to take care of you first, because I feel like that just, it's just that air of confidence that nobody can take from you that with or without anybody, you're good. And then that way, even if you are, for, for example, the example I'm using a marriage, like I came into our marriage, like confident, like I didn't need, I needed him for as a man, as a husband for me, I didn't need him for money, for finances, mm-hmm. like to do that, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's just that confidence builder too, knowing you you can take care of you. 100%. Yeah. So just thinking through, what would you guess Actually, I don't know this exact number, but what would you guess the average age a woman lives to? What's her life expectancy? 84. 84? I was a confident answer, so I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Honestly, I cannot remember because different statistics say different numbers, but that actually wasn't the point. So women, it's like mid-80s. What is the average age a woman becomes widowed? Mm, probably your 79. 79. What? 79. Aaron? What's I your 70s, maybe early 70s. Mm. You guys are about 20 years off. It is age 59. Whoa. That's 59. What's everyone dying from? <laughs> so with that, like that idea of being able to be confident on your two feet. One thing I noticed with the baby boomer generation is that just the nature of the way that relationships were created, women with that average age of widowhood. Okay. If you think about our life as a mountain. We're climbing up the mountain. We're trying to accumulate as much as we can. The peak of the mountain is our retirement age, which is, I don't know, 65. It it varies for people. The peak of that mountain is 65. And then you're coming down the mountain. You're using the money that you've accumulated so that you don't have to work. All right. So a woman steps into widowhood against her will, obviously. (laughs) Well, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) And right before one of the biggest life changes that she will have, which is going from earning your money, working to earn your money, to, to flipping the switch and using the investments that you've saved to live off of it long-term. And so a lot of the financial decisions that need to be made are right in that window too, because you're like fully changing the strategy. So the baby boomer generation, women were not at the table having the conversations about what's happening with the family finances. They might not even know where anything is located. They're just kind of collecting the papers that are coming in Mm -hmm. every month. That is not, I don't think we will have that same issue with Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. I don't think we'll have that because like you're saying, Erin, well, we're, we're getting married later. 
So we're establishing ourselves independently and we have to learn some pieces of the money just by nature of getting off the ground in our 20s. But I think women are taking more of the reins long-term. I am curious though, Erin, one thing you said, and this is me just kind of picking up on facial cues. Okay. You said something about your husband kind of like knowing things and being a little level up Mm -hmm. on what he knows about his investments. Do you think that is because he is the most brilliant person? Or do you think that is because he has some friends that they might talk about it? We definitely have people that we talk to. He has a very, 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 very high interest level. Like he wants, has a strong desire to know all of these things where I have the desire, but it's not as strong as a desire that he has to learn. And if you're sitting around drinking cocktails with your friends and he's sitting around drinking beers with his buddies, right? investments enter the conversation for you and your gal pals? Depends on who I'm with. With Rachel, sometimes really? money stuff. Okay. Okay. That's good. But, but, but to answer your question, no, that's not a common occurrence with happy hour conversation. <laughs> right. Business, yeah. Because it's like stress hour then. <laughs> yeah. So with guys, it is though. Like women will spend more time talking about relationships and understanding what's going on in life. And guys, again, that waffle idea, like they'll compartmentalize and they'll talk about these freely things that don't have, don't have to do with the rest of life and emotion and all of that. And just by the nature of the, the types of conversations that they have, they come to the table a lot more prepared. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I have that I started this year, just as part of like, what are we doing during COVID and what kind of conversations can we open up? I started an online community called Pleasant Financial Conversations. It's for women and it's housed in Facebook. And it's just a way for women to get some education pieces. So I kind of talk about things. I have a very big retirement focus because of the nature of my work, but all things money. And the women in that group, they're, they're able to just post any question that they have. So questions that we've had recently are, I have to sign up for my health insurance plan. Tell me the difference between a PPO and an HSA and like how those work. Or this wasn't in the conversation, but uh, someone private messaged me and was like, hey, I applied for a loan recently and I got declined and I don't know why. And just having those spaces that women can candidly say like, I don't understand this. I need help with this and doing it in a public way that other women can be like, oh yeah, I actually do know that piece or interesting. Now that you ask that, I have this other question and women can find their own way to connect around money. Yeah. And some women probably see those questions and like, didn't know what they didn't know. Right. Way more there. I love that. So we'll put that in the show notes too though, but it's pleasant financial conversations. Yes. Yes. So I think that's really important too, because you kind of answered my question with that. Um, but I'm just curious other ways or what you've seen. I think that's the best way to do it. What you just said, because what we were talking about, like men having these conversation and women don't, but how to like empower women to step up and have those conversations. Right. Cause mm-hmm. if, if they don't, then we're just singing the same song 20 years from now, you know, <laughs> so, like women have to be having those conversations. So obviously you're doing a great thing, starting these conversations with your Facebook group too. So maybe people that are listening to this too, maybe find ways that you can obviously go to that Facebook group, but also find ways or people that you can have conversations with that you can reach out to and have these conversations with your friends, your women friends. Um, yeah. And understand that stuff. With that, I think part of the issue for women is that we make such drastically different decisions in life. So if I am sitting in a circle of three people 
it might be that I am sitting, me, full-time working Liz, helping run a family business. So like building a business, all of that type of thing is what I'm digging into in life. And that's where my money conversations really are curious. I'm sitting next to my stay-at-home mom friend. Mm -hmm. And then my other friend who works a corporate job. We're coming from three very different financial backgrounds. And sometimes that can feel really intimidating. Because if you're asking questions or you're talking about like salary or earned income or whatever, that can, it can be really uncomfortable to be talking with a stay-at-home mom friend and a corporate woman who might be earning, you know, multi six figures, but they can't connect on that piece. So you have to find other ways to talk about money. Um, And some of that is, you know, thinking about, you know, family decisions and framing it from the, the conversation of a family decision made or... I think in our society, we kind of, we have a way of commenting about the way that people spend their money that can be really negative. Like, oh, they got a new car or, oh, like we, we owned a lake house for a period of time mm-hmm. and we sold it because of some different reasons, but we wanted to make some other decisions with our, with our money. And also like we weren't around the people that we wanted to be around. Right. And so I caught myself one time in a conversation saying, we sold the lake house because we couldn't afford it. And all of a sudden I heard myself like, oh, they're worried about my financial position. I shouldn't be saying that. So then I was like, no, we couldn't afford it because we wanted to do this and this and this. And it was more important for us to send our kid to preschool, to a Montessori school than to have this lake house. And having people see that decision-making process that you have with money, like those are good financial conversations to have. Yeah, that's- But it's kind of scary. Yeah, you're right though. That's exactly what it is, the decision-making because everyone has so like social media world these days. So it's all about appearances and assuming and looking like you're doing well that people would easily make those assumptions. Wow, like they must be really hurting to sell the lake house. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all. It's just a decision. I like, that's a good point to make. Or even when we bought it, the comments that I would receive from it. But it was like, Hey, I live in a really poor community in Canton and I did that pretty intentionally. And my house, my house cost is probably equivalent to your car loan that you have. So yeah, I've got a lot of extra wiggle room to, to have a lake house, but did they enter that conversation? No, they just make snap judgments about your, your lifestyle. Yeah. Everyone just stop making judgments. Yeah. (laughs) Worry about yourself. Worry about your damn self. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I 100% get that. I mean, what, one, one line that just always irks me, it's must be nice. And oh, then yeah. as soon as I hear that line, it's, it's it, you know, you almost have to defend yourself. And it's just, you know, I just stopped defending myself. And I just, it is, whatever, you know, teach mm-hmm. their own. And that's just something, you know, when you start to stop defending yourself to explain yourself and you realize like you're making those decisions which are best for you and your household. And it doesn't necessarily have to, you don't have to explain it to other people. So it's just, it gave me that, that pass on that regard as well. So it was, you know, I think we can all relate to these kind of comparison stories as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. So I just noticed that our time, this is good. We could probably do like three hours about finances, but (laughs) in wrapping up, is there anything, first of all, that you wanted to make sure you said or mentioned, but you didn't get a chance to, because maybe I didn't stop talking. (laughs) Um, no, I really, that's, that's my jam talking to women, bringing women to the conversation about finances the place that I'm doing that is on the Pleasant Financial Conversations in 
the Facebook realm. I do have a YouTube channel, which you're welcome to check out. And that's more like tips and tricks and like how to's also called pleasant financial conversations. Yeah. We'll put all this stuff in the show notes too. But yeah, so I like that it's the same pleasant financial conversations on Facebook group and then on YouTube as well. So that's awesome. So thanks so much for hopping on with us. I think it's really important. I want to thank you for what you're doing for women, helping them be more confident with their finances and make those decisions. And obviously thank you for bringing that to the table of conversation and making us realize it's something that we need to be having more conversations about and that they don't have to be scary because you're creating a space where they're not. So definitely appreciate what you're doing there and appreciate you being with us today. Thanks. It's great to be here with you both. Yes. Well, thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's The Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.